Welcome to the Housing Matters Podcast, brought to you by the California Association of Realtors and the Center for California Real Estate. Recording. All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Housing Matters Podcast. Um, I'm Oscar Way, Senior Economist of the California Association of Realtors, along with Jordan. Hey, everyone. Hey, John, I don't remember what episode this is. This is episode 40... 40-something, 40 yeah. 40-something. I can't remember. I'll, I'll, I'll confirm that, um, you know, for the uh, for the for um, our audience uh, a little later when we have it posted up. But um, it's great to be here. I know last time we recorded it, it was probably about maybe um, two, three weeks ago. I apologize for not posting another one up uh, sooner than uh, we should have. But uh, here we are. That's right. Ready to get back at it. Yes. And as usual, we're going to do, um, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about the economy first. Uh, we're going to have our top five of five. But um, today we also want to talk about um, the mid-year housing market update. That's right. Yeah. Our chief economist, Leslie Appleton Young, delivered an update to our forecast. So we're about halfway through the year as far as coming up on our annual event, um, and and so we wanted to give an update on where the markets are and how that's going to affect the housing market going forward. So she just delivered that in a webinar, which goes into tons more detail than we're going to hit here, um, but we at least wanted to hit the highs and lows for you guys in the podcast. Absolutely, and of course, we, we love to say that, you know, forecast, it doesn't get changed. We want to say we're always right, but in reality, you know, there are always some changes. So, um, Safe to say it's not a significant change. There are some, you know, there are some changes, but I'm going to hold back. We're going to talk a little bit about the economy first before we get into the uh, year forecast. So what's the first thing in your top five for five? All right, I've got a few things, but uh, let's talk a little bit about the housing market first. Um, of course, um, when we talk about housing market, um, long-term forecast is important, but we also want to take a look at short-term forecast. So that by doing that, by saying short-term forecast, I meant the uh, NAR pending home sales index. Mm -hmm. Now, the pending home sales index, I think NAR has been uh, saying the last, uh, the first, in the first quarter that home sales actually has been rising. But I think in April, it actually went down a little bit. Uh, in fact, uh, the sales index uh, went down 2.1% in April on a year-over-year -year basis. Right. Yeah, and some of that was actually in the western region, which includes California. So that suggests, I think, that uh, that sales growth is going to slow down in the coming months. We're down actually even more than the national average, right? 4.6% on a year-over-year -year basis compared to just 2.1% nationwide. Uh, that being said, I think that that's a, a broader sphere than just California. And when we look at some of the numbers on our end, we, we have some reason to be slightly optimistic as we enter the summer months. And so, um, you know, NAR pending home sales are down. I would also suggest that pending home sales have become a little bit less predictive than they were in the past. That's very true. And, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, too concerned. And part of the reason is, you know, we know that in the first quarter, we had a pretty strong um, market performance, uh, despite the fact that we had some increase in interest rates, which we'll go over a little bit. But uh, a little bit of a give back is not a surprise surprise. 
Um, so, you know, um, whether it is going to be down 4.6% as NAR pending sales suggests, you know, we'll find out. But I think uh, we will, it's safe to say that we may see some slowdown. Yeah, sure. And, and I think, you know, ultimately, though, our, our trajectory is pretty much the same as what it's been. We still have relatively tight markets, but the demand is still there. And I think those are the, the kind of overarching things happening out there that are really going to keep us from having radical change. That's true. And you mentioned, you know, tight supply. And of course, we still have a lot of demand. Of course, usually when that happens, what happens is we have increase in home prices. And lo and behold, that is exactly what we continue to see, right? And um, not only did CAR put out our release a few weeks ago that showed a pretty so uh, strong pace of growth, actually accelerating pace of growth in home prices, we saw that uh, just this past couple of weeks with the Case-Shiller numbers as well. Yeah, the Case-Shiller is usually a little bit behind the NER number, but the Case-Shiller also showed a pretty strong increase of uh, 6%, 6.5% in March. Uh, which is very in line with what we are seeing in, in California. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even in the Case-Shiller numbers, which purport to be a kind of repeat sales index, right? So one of the, the arguments that could be made against a median price number is that it can be affected by the mix of sales going on out there. If we have more homes selling mm -hmm. at the top end of the market or in the Bay Area, as an example, that can potentially infect a median price number as it draw, you know, draws the distribution higher up the scale. A, a Case-Shiller number purports to correct for that. We can argue about whether it actually successfully achieves that correction or not, but even when you, you kind of purport to be able to control for that and look at a repeat sale of the same house, you're still seeing double-digit growth in, in San Francisco. They had an 11.3% year-over-year increase, which is a little bit less than what we saw, but that, that really suggests that we are seeing, honest-to-goodness, double-digit growth in San Francisco and the Bay Area more broadly, despite the fact that we've seen uh, a humongous increase in prices over the last seven, eight years. Yeah, I mean, at, you you said you know right on the, uh, the the nail around the head that you know we typically see in San Francisco um, could possibly reach twenty twenty five percent at one point I think uh, in one of the months in the last few months, and uh, of course this is not showing you know the case Shiller may not have shown in Santa Clara and some of the other Bay Area counties, but it's showing you know the Western region not only include not only San Francisco but some of the other areas such as Vegas and Seattle also growing. At double digit as well so the price increase is real and uh, it may you know for the year of 2018 it's safe to say that we probably will continue to see some growth uh, in the um, the western region um, for the rest of the year whether it is going to be uh, 15 16 17 percent can't really say for sure but it's safe to say that we still have uh, you know high price growth uh, probably for the rest of the year yeah, definitely. I mean, there's no signs on the horizon that price growth is abating. Um, the one question mark there is, is I think, the thing that we'll talk about in the forecast, which is what's going to happen on the supply front. So, um, But until then, I think that when you look at the economy, as you mentioned, the economy is still relatively strong. We just got a revised number for the first quarter, and it, it did get revised down, but only slightly, just a 2.2% down from 2.3%, and, and that's still a decent number, right? It's nothing to write home about. It's lower than what we had at the end of the year where we grew at almost 3%, but I think 2.2% is still nothing to 
um, turn your nose up at. It's a it's a decent number. Consumers are spending at a slightly slower pace, but um, the good news is that other areas of the economy have started to pick up some of the slack, right? Absolutely, and that's the reason why housing demand continue to to be fueled by you know the strong economic growth. And you said you said it right. You know, if you just isolate you know the first quarter, it looks like okay, well it's slower than you know the fourth quarter. But you and I both know as economists when we uh, look at the first quarter of each year for the last few years, they tend to be at a on a low end. I think last right. year was something like 1.5, 1.6% for the first quarter, and the year before that was even lower than that. So a 2.2% is, you know, it's, it's a good start. I believe that it's probably going to pick up in the second quarter. And in fact, I think uh, we're already seeing some retail sales, um, signs from the retail sales that's showing that the second quarter probably will be stronger. Some even said that it's going to be close to 4%. I'm not going to say anything like that. Um, but we may see a, a strong second quarter and uh, in the upcoming um, release uh, in the next few, a few months or so. Yeah, definitely. I mean, when you look at the jobs numbers, it's still very tight out there from a labor market standpoint, below 4%, right, which is just I know. extremely low. And, uh, and that's starting to finally translate into income growth, and I think that's the real driver of consumption, right? When folks have more money, both in terms of their earnings, but also uh, potentially with these tax cuts as well, that, that we could see ongoing growth from the consumer side. I don't expect them to continue to grow at the same pace that they have you know, a few years ago when they were really carrying all the water for the economy. But I do think that you know, with, when people are employed and they're making more money, that is good news for consumption. Oh yeah, and and a year ago we were concerned about okay labor market may be weakening a little bit, but you know based on those uh, unemployment number, based on uh, some of the numbers on wage growth, uh, personal income and spending, it seems like you know we are in a decent place. Um, you know even though it's not you know of course everyone wants to see their income up five or six or seven percent that would be ideal, but of course it's it doesn't happen um, overnight. It takes time so. You know, based on the income um, and spending report that we recently um, that was recently released, it's up 0.3% in April. Not bad, um, and uh, that of course um, kind of put more money in people's pocket and consumptions. Uh, consumer expenditure also increased by a 0.4% um, on a year-over-year basis. Yep. So pretty good. Nothing too bad. I guess the bad news though is that. Um, energy prices are going up and people are really kind of paying for it at the pump, if you will. And, and I've seen that myself just in the cost of gas anecdotally over the last couple of weeks, but you see it in the in the hard numbers as well, right? Energy price data was showing a pretty solid increase. Yeah, it has been growing and has been increasing for the last uh, couple of years or so. In the last few months, we have heard some news about, you know, OPEC may be uh, cutting back on supply. That makes people a little concerned. And of course, at the gas pump, I think right now, uh, for me, I'm paying somewhere around 3 .7, 3 .8, uh, $3.70 or $3.80 per gallon. Um, compared to like a year ago, that's about 11-12% uh, increase. So uh, it's safe to say that, you know, uh, it, that number, uh, for the last couple of weeks at least, I haven't really seen a lot of significant changes in, in the um, price per gallon. And uh, based on some other studies, we know that you know it's probably going to stay pretty stable for the next uh, through the second quarter or so. But you know it makes me wonder whether 
um, the increase in energy price is the reason or could be the reason for inflation. Um, right. Are, are concerned about inflation. Uh, but it looks Absolutely. like, you know, you mentioned it, tight labor supply, the unemployment rate is probably the primary reason. I don't think the energy price is going to be the main reason for increase in inflation. No, definitely. And if even if you strip out energy and food, which tend to be really volatile, we're still seeing pretty solid numbers out of the core CPI. And so, um, again, we don't think that the Fed's going to go crazy with uh, a bunch of rate hikes, but we do think they're going to continue their policy of gradual normalization and and that that's going to mean a gradual increase in, in rates over the long term. I think our one saving grace on the rates front is, you know, what's going on in the rest of the world. And to the extent that there's more problems out there in Europe and in China and places like that, then uh, money tends to flee towards treasuries. And that's going to keep the, the long end of the yield curve from going up too fast, which means that we're not going to have huge increases in long-term rates. But I do think that the days of, of 3.5% mortgage rates are behind us. Exactly. And that's what happened at the beginning of the year. And I like to kind of put some blame on the fact that, you know, our there we were revising our numbers is because of, you know, the uh, the increase in interest rates at the beginning of the year. But um, let's go into a little bit more detail about, you know, our revisions for the uh, mid-year forecast now that we have some background information, you know, based on our top five of five. So we did have, we did make some revisions to our sales price and, um, of course, interest rate and housing affordability, right? That's right. Yep. So uh, we do have home sales going up a bit faster than we previously expected. Um, we had them going up, you know, just about under 1%. Now that's been revised up slightly, um, you know, and so ultimately we think that the year is going to be slightly better than what we what we had. Do you want to run through the, the specifics on that? Oscar? Sure. I think ultimately the first quarter has been a little bit better than what we had initially forecast. Sure. Let's start with um, some sales number first. Okay, some sales numbers. Remember, um, at the end of last year, you know, when, when, when Leslie talked about sales, um, we expect the sales to only go up by about 1%. Now, remember, this is before um, the tax reform. Um, and uh, many of you who tune in and listen to the tax reform realize that um, with the tax reform, we actually revised our sales down a little bit. Uh, instead of growing by 1%, we actually revised it down to 0.3%, um, a very, very small increase. But you said it earlier, the increase in interest rates uh, at the beginning of the year from 4% right now is about, what, 4.7% for the 30-year fixed rate? Yeah. Um, I expected, you know, if you just tell me that interest rate is going to go up in the first quarter, first half of the year, I would think, okay, well, that's going to affect sales. But in fact, you know, because interest rates have been at a very low level for so long, um, when people anticipate that there will be, uh, there is going to be an increase in interest rate and there will be further increase in interest rate, maybe approaching 5% or so, um, the effect is actually more positive on sales. Actually, a lot of people run into the market and try to uh, buy a home before the uh, interest rates start rising even further. And as such, we had a very uh, robust first quarter. And um, based on some of the first quarter and actually the first four months of sales, um, we realized that sales actually will be uh, a little bit higher than uh, we originally expected. Instead of a 0.3% um, increase, we expect sales actually to increase by 1% uh, with the revisions. So the uh, existing single-family homes is going to reach somewhere around 428,000 uh, for um, existing home sales. That's actually the yeah. highest that we have seen since 2012. 
Yeah, so it'll end up being a, a pretty decent year by by recent year's standards. I think that in addition to some of the, the items that you mentioned, you know, I think that there's also been a lot of action at the top end of the market that continues to grow. Right. And and one of the culprits there, I think, is the stock market. That's been all over the map. It's, you know, every time you flick on the news, it seems like it's up 400 points or down 400 points. And, and I think that that's made real estate look relatively more attractive, especially for those folks who are uh, you know, with lots of assets and capital that they need to put somewhere that uh, real estate seems like it's been much more stable than the equity markets of late. And I think that's also helped to uh, pump up the, the top end of the market and give us a better number in terms of overall home sales that, that caused some of the revision as well. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, of course, um, inventory improvement is probably another reason. We'll talk more about improvement and in inventory, but uh, you know, last couple months or for last few months or so, we're seeing some improvement, some actual growth in inventory. Right. Um, That's right. So when you look at the rest of the year, I think that we still have, you know, a more modest pace of growth that a lot of folks might have jumped in earlier in the year to get ahead of the rising rates. But we still expect growth in the rest of the year, just maybe not as strong as what we had during the first quarter and into April so that that's how we kind of end up at that 1% number when it's all said and done. Absolutely. I mean, for the first four months, I, I believe it's growing at one and a half right now. But, you know, as you said, it's going to slow down a little bit, but continue to grow. Now, one of the reasons that uh, people are still continue to in, uh, feel uh, very interested in, in investing in real estate uh, is like what you said, you know, it's pretty stable. It seems to show a very stable growth in, in price, and that's exactly what happened with uh, median price. I wouldn't necessarily say just stable. It's actually pretty uh, decent. Now, we expected uh, at the end of last year when we do uh, did our expo forecast, the increase in home prices uh, increase in statewide median price was uh, expected to be 4.2%. That is, again, without the tax reform. And then with the tax reform, we actually revised it down to 3.2%. Of course, right. that's an underestimate, I have to admit. Um, we make our uh, revision. We, we did some uh, further analysis and uh, look at looking at the first four months of the year. Man, it's been growing really fast. It's definitely been growing fast, and it's also been shifting towards A, higher-end homes, and B, um, homes in more expensive areas. So even if they're not the quote-unquote luxury homes of those areas, those areas with just generally high prices, the Bay Area, coastal areas, uh, you know, have been growing more, and that's really pumped up that median price number. And so um, we've had to really significantly increase, I think, our, our estimate for what prices are going to do this year the you know the the fact that the stock market went a little bit haywire and a lot of uh -huh. folks poured into the upper end of the real estate market i think is a big part of why we're seeing such fast growth in overall prices but be that as it may um we we you know really ratcheted up from 3.2 to to 8.2 percent so right. in the year almost five hundred and eighty two thousand dollars on an annual average basis yeah absolutely i mean you know, with 8.2% increase uh, with our revised number, it is going to probably hit another peak um, at some point on a monthly basis. Now, right now, I think we are at around 550, 560. I can't remember the exact number for April. But uh, it right. looks like in the next couple months or so, maybe before the end of the summer, we're going to hit another peak. Remember the last peak, uh, cyclical peak that we had was, what, 594 uh, for the state uh, median. 
So at some point, we're going to hit that number, maybe even surpass it. Um, you may actually get to 600. That's right. Yeah. And I think that ultimately this is the tail of the tape, right? Is that that's really where the excess demand is showing up and the lack of inventory um, is, is really causing prices to get pushed up at the bottom end. And then you have all these folks pouring money into the market at the top end. And those two things together really combine to give you this really accelerated growth above and beyond what we've seen even over the course of the last two years when growth was already fairly robust. Yeah, and I have to say a little bit about, you know, um, I don't think we're uh, seeing a, a, a much mix of change, but I do believe that in the, la in the first three months or so, we're seeing more uh, stronger growth in the Bay Area, which happened to have really high home prices. And, you know, when you see some growth in the Bay Area and maybe not as much growth in, let's say, Southern California or Central Valley, of course, that kind of pull up home prices a little bit, too. So part of it is um, a majority of it is price appreciation, I think. But, you know, part of it yeah. would be because of mix of sales change as well. Right. And then I think that the one thing, though, that we need to watch out for is is the inventory, um, because, you know, we haven't seen a crazy sea change there yet. Um, but there have been some shifts that I think are are important and, and definitely ones that we want to watch out for, particularly based on where that, that shift is coming from. So do you want to walk through the inventory stuff real quick, Oscar? Absolutely. Remember, you know, last year, probably about a year ago, um, we had we were concerned about uh, inventory. We were concerned about active listings. Now we talk about unsold inventory index, and we talk about active listing. Unsold inventory index had always been below or right around three, three point one, three point two for maybe the last couple of years or so. But for the active listings, we actually had experienced double-digit uh, decline in 2017 for every single month for 12 months or so, and then. That's double that's digit. That's crazy. I mean, that's, that bears repeating, right? Every single solitary month of last year, active listings were down by, you know, 10% or more when we were already at 3.1 months of supply. So I just think that's important to highlight. That's definitely very important. And and we were expecting, you know, at the beginning of the year that, okay, well, there will be some, maybe not double digit increase, there, but, you know, we'll continue to see some decline. And then we did in the first month, what it was uh, maybe about 6%, 6.5%. And then it right. started gradually, uh, gradually sort of um, um, decelerating, right? Yeah. yeah. And what happened in April? April, we started seeing the very first positive year-over-year -year gain um, as compared to previous year. I believe it's a 1.9% if I'm correct. Yeah, 1.9% increase in active listings. It wasn't enough to boost our unsold inventory index because, again, sales actually went up in April as well. Um, but it's the first time we had more listings on the market than we had at the same point the prior year. And I think that that fits this pattern or this trend where, you know, for the first three months of the year, we saw the significant downshift from double digit declines to 6% to 3% to just barely any decline. And then finally an increase in April. Um, and that's something to watch out for, right? Because that's the thing that's been holding us back. We're in an environment where we have too much demand and not enough supply. And so I guess the thing that could upset that is either we take away the demand or we add the supply. And where you look at where that supply is is coming from, um, you know, it's it's really interesting picture because growth has always been increasing at the top end. You know, we've had more listings at the top end of the market, 1 million, 2 million, 3 million plus. Mm -hmm. 
we've actually been having pretty robust gains and active listings up in those price segments. It's really been down at the bottom end of the market where you've been seeing 20, 30, 40% declines in some cases, especially down at the under $300,000 uh, price category. And what we've seen is that, you know, in April, those, those areas still weren't growing. Under 300,000 still wasn't growing, but it was down by a much smaller percentage than what we have seen pretty much any time of the last year, year and a half. And also we saw that kind of 500 to 750 listings start to come back online and get some growth there. And so the fact that the bottom is, you know, although not growing, it's shrinking at a much smaller rate has allowed growth in the middle and at the top to really carry the day and give us that overall increase in, in active listings. And so, um, you know, we don't want to be alarmist or anything like that, but when things change at the bottom end of the market in particular, where the, where the market is the tightest, um, you worry about, you know, things like inflection points. So we're going to be watching this right. one very closely um, to see what happens in the coming months and and what the supply-demand balance looks like as we progress into the end of the year. And it makes things uh, very interesting because, you know, usually when you – well, because we have been uh, saying that, you know, with inventory um, tight – that's one of the reasons why, you know, when you have more inventory, uh, when you have tight inventory, but uh, more demand, you push upward home prices, upward uh, pressure on home prices. But the thing is, now we have a little bit more inventory, but, you know, the inventory situation happens to be more inventory, happens to be in a higher price um, area. So right. we're still, we may not see as much upward pressure, but we're going to see some more sales in um the uh, higher price, possibly in the higher price uh, category. So it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, what how uh, median price is going to react. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, if if uh, the reason why I, I raised the the flag a little bit just to get it on your guys' radar is is because that might be one explanation for why we're seeing things change at the bottom. If you would have asked me six months ago a lot of the kind of fundamentals and other forces going on out there in market and otherwise uh, really are suggesting that folks would rather stay in their own homes, right? We right. have uh, potential tax consequences for giving up your home, property tax consequences, capital gains tax consequences. If you have a high balance loan, you have mortgage interest deduction consequences. In addition, we have a lack of supply and the fact that we have more and more boomers who are living in their homes longer and longer. So if you had asked me six months ago, what the outlook for inventory was, I would have suggested that there was no way we were going to see a turnaround in inventory. And, and the fact that we're seeing a bit of a change at the bottom um, is something that, you know, could be, you know, all those forces that I just ran through are still there and in full effect. We're still not building enough. We've still got lots of new um, jobs. And so we want to we want to keep our eye on the bottom end of the market because if we see a flood of homes back onto the market, um, you know, that could upset the supply-demand imbalance, and then the price growth won't be as robust or, or you know, as stable as, as what we've seen over the last six years. Absolutely. And, um, now, of course, there are other factors in play as well that affect the housing market. One thing that, you know, we definitely should kind of mention it is the interest rate as well. I mean, we we said it earlier that in the first, in the first three, four months of the uh, year, interest rate have been rising quite a bit. Um, right. right now, it's somewhere around 4.7, 4.75 for the 30-year fixed rate, um, and that's ex that's not exactly what we anticipated. We expect interest rate to rise, but you know, at least for me, I didn't expect interest rate to rise um, at, at such a fast rate. 
Um, and it looks like that, you know, for the rest of the year, even though I think in the last couple of weeks or so, or last, um, you know, last three weeks, we have some volatility in the uh, interest rate because of the uh, situation in Europe, in EU. Um, right. So, you know, interest rate did dip a little bit for a week and a half, but then it started bouncing back uh, in the last week or so. So it's safe to say, you know, for 30-year fixed rate, for interest rates, uh, for the rest of the year, if inflation uh, continues, which we believe that is going to be the case, we're probably going to see interest rate um, maybe topped out at four, uh, five, and five, five point two five, possibly at the end of, end of the year. And if that's the case, we're seeing an average of 30-year fixed rate possibly at around 4.7. Right. Yeah, which is only slightly higher than what we were forecasting before. I think our previous forecast had an annual average of about 4.6. That's correct. So you're expecting it to get up to about 4.9 or 5% by the end of the year. So we've only inched it up a tiny bit, but uh, we just think that it's been mostly front-loaded into the first four months of the year. So, um, you know, a lot of that happened faster than what we thought, but we don't see it continuing at that accelerated pace for the next year. Yeah, so with home prices increase and with interest rate increase, you would think, you know, affordability definitely it will be down compared to last year. Indeed, you know, based on our numbers, uh, affordability is down compared to last year uh, from 29% to 27%. Remember, housing affordability index is a number that shows the percent of households who can afford to buy a median price home. So it, right. it, it, it dipped. But um, if someone uh, pay attention to our previous forecast, actually we put the housing affordability down to 26%. So, you know, we are revising the interest rate up. We're revising the median price up. What actually happened to lead to actually an increase in housing affordability instead of an, a, a decline? And that has to do with uh, income growth. Um, right. We we probably underestimated, you know, the number of, uh, the percent of income growth uh, um, last year but income is actually growing a little faster than we expected and that actually uh, helped the housing affordability to uh, improve a little bit um, of course 26 percent 27 percent is still very a very low number and we expect that number to continue to deteriorate in the upcoming year um, in 20 uh, end of 2018 and then 2019 but uh, a little bit of income growth uh, helps so yeah definitely hey every bit helps and uh you know it's still uh, depressing though you know when you think about the housing affordability index being 27% of households um it means that the housing unaffordability index is 73% of households right and that's a a fairly scary number for anybody who actually cares about home ownership oh yeah Oh, yeah, it's very scary. Now, another thing that I want to point out before we wrap up is um, we also do some prediction on um, the um, construction, how many permits right. and things like that. And uh, based on some of the uh, annual uh, the um, uh, number at the very beginning of the year, it seems like we're building a little bit faster. Now, previously, we thought it will uh, in 2018 we're going to build maybe or the housing number a number of housing permits will be about 120,000, um, but it seems like it's actually uh, improve, increasing a little faster. Now we uh, revised our projection to 127, still way below the 180 that uh, is typically needed for a year, uh, but right. you know, every bit count. Every bit counts. Every bit counts, and and you know, unfortunately, it's a, a drop in the bucket relative to our need. I know folks see all these cranes out there and think, man, we're building like crazy. But I think that relative to the 
the 30 years of underbuilding that we've done in California, it's it's a, a very small drop in the bucket. But be that as it may, the good news is that I think at least half or slightly more than half of our projected units are on the single family side. And, and up till this point, most of the stuff we've been building has been on the multifamily side. We need everything, obviously, right. um, but it's good to see those single family numbers start to come around as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I know we said it earlier that, you know, this is going to be sort of a brief um, um, presentation or a podcast on a housing market forecast. And if you need a little bit more, if you want to take a look at the entire presentation uh, for uh, presented by Leslie, it's on our website. All the slides and charts and all those goodies for you in there. Absolutely, and in, in, in the slide itself, you can actually you know download and use it and, uh, uh, to share with your clients as well. It's all on our CRO website in the speeches and presentation folder uh, on market data section. So feel free to um, take a look at it. Now, the other thing that I, I wanted to mention earlier is. Um, Jordan, you mentioned earlier about you know the inventory situation, and uh, one indication about in inventory is you know how long people actually stay at a home before selling it. Now we right. we have and we typically get that number from the annual housing market survey, and we are going to send out our annual housing market survey very very soon, maybe in the next couple of weeks or so. Now with that result, we will find out a little bit more about whether people are actually staying at their home a little longer or a little shorter. But in order to get those numbers, we probably will need um, your help in answering those surveys. If you receive it, definitely respond to it and uh, you know send it back to us. So help us out a little bit. That's what gives us the ammo to come and record all of these awesome and amazing podcasts that we do for you every two weeks. Absolutely. And um, I think it's time for us to wrap up now. Um, we'll come back on in the next two weeks or so. Is there anything else you want to add, Jordan? Nope. Every time we know something, you guys will know it too. So tune in and uh, we'll see you next time. All right. See you then. Have a good one. Bye-bye.